Welcome to OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. We have uh, an incredibly special segment today. We have on Ellie Beer, the founder of United Hatzalah, who also recently not just survived coronavirus, a lot of people have, he nearly succumbed to it and was in a medically induced coma for a month. If you haven't read up on the story, we'll talk about it a little bit, but you can read a lot more about it online as personal recollections. We're going to hear from him firsthand. Uh, his own uh, experience witnessing Yad Hashem and also uh, seeing it every single day on the streets of Israel throughout the land uh, through United Hatzalah. Of course, you're going to see some daylight in the segment because we did have to pre-record. I hope you enjoy the uh, the segment. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I know I did. Ali Beer. Ali Beer. Welcome to the OU Live. How are you? Ah, I'm great. It is an unbelievable pleasure to get to speak with you. Ellie Beer is the founder of United Hatzalah, uh, the uh, uh, fully volunteer uh, EMS group in Israel that is literally changing, uh, changing the, the landscape right now and saving lives, countless lives every single day. Um, our thanks to you. My, uh, <laughs> my first question is, um, do you always wear that vest on interviews? I'm so proud to wear And uh, just, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought I'll never wear it again. And now that I have an opportunity to say what the miracle I had, big miracle I had, the miracle of my life, um, I cannot do it with a regular shirt. This is, this is like my uniform. I, 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 I tell people I go to sleep with it. I don't really go to sleep with it, but it's, I can't wait to actually use it on the field and rescue people and help people. But for now, I'm still not in full mode yet, but wearing this is making me, I think give, giving me more energy. That's incredible. You're, you're wearing, so I think most people know that you spent Pesach, or maybe you didn't spend Pesach, uh, in Florida, <laughs> and uh, you were very sick. Could you tell us, um, people are, are dying to know, maybe that's the wrong word, people really, really want to know about the Nisim Beniflaot that you saw, that you witnessed, experienced firsthand. Well, I, I'm a healthy person you know, in, in the regular life. I'm, I'm, I have no illnesses, thank God. And uh, I don't smoke and I don't do anything crazy. I, I try not to endanger myself besides driving a motorcycle in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. <laughs> that's the purposes of saving. So uh, I, um, I was in Miami for Hatzalah reasons, for United Hatzalah. And I had some meetings there and I had events and stuff. And I was there for Purim. And right after Purim, I felt weak and I had fever. And I said, this, this is definitely a, a strep throat I'm having. Like, I have, always have, uh, you know, throat infections. Every second or third year, I have one. So I, but I said, I'm not going to take a chance. And I went and I isolated me and myself. I quarantined myself in an apartment, closed the door, and checked my fever all the time. And after three days, I realized I can't breathe. I went to the hospital of Miami, the University of Miami, and I found myself in front of a doctor who's telling me you have to go to ICU. You're, 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 
your lungs are in terrible, terrible shape. And he checked, they checked me for COVID-19, which the next day they found that I am positive. Um, and two days later, I'm in the hospital. They come over to me and they said, we have to medically endorse, induce you into coma and put an intubation into you. Now, I, I was involved with Atella, and I'll, I'll tell you more about it, for 32 years. And I heard these words from many, many, many times, but from the side of the medic, from the side of the people who help people. And now all of a sudden, I'm laying on a bed, could hardly breathe, I'm full of oxygen. I'm oxygen mask, I mean, the doctor says, and I knew when he said that, my situation is very, very bad. I took the phone. I went on WhatsApp, I sent a message to my family saying, be strong, I'm gonna be okay. I knew already that I'm not sure if I'll be okay, but I don't wanna worry anyone, I don't wanna get them in stress. And I said, I'm just going for a couple of days not to answer the phone, but I'll be okay soon, I'll be back with you. And uh, I sent the message to all the volunteers of Atzala, continue doing chesed, continue saving lives, be careful not to get, I said, I just got COVID-19 positive, be very aware who you're treating and how you're treating, wear protection gear. Even so, I knew we, were, we were, had a very big shortage of protection gear. It was almost impossible. But I said, just be very careful. Don't stop saving lives. And then I sent a message to all the supporters of Hatsala. Don't stop supporting Hatsala because I was very worried. People see, oh, I'm not calling them, bombarding them. They're not going to give. I said, you have to support Hatsala now. And then they put me to sleep. And then a month later, I get up after fighting for my life and everyone thought I'm not going to be surviving. And I actually, when I, they, they woke me up 18 days early uh, after and they tried getting me back in all my situation got worse. And then they had to put me back in a coma. And then almost 30 days from the first day they put me in a coma, I was cured miraculously. Literally in a miracle, I had 5% chance of surviving. And all of a sudden, I'm fine. I couldn't walk. I couldn't pick up my hands. I was too weak. I couldn't write because I couldn't, I lost my, my, all my, my, my muscles while you're laying down for 30 days and I'm moving. But I was alive. And I said, Modani, Lefanecha, Melachayvakayam. You know, this is my Modani after 30 days. And, uh, and I well, just realized what a well, I went through. What was it like to have missed 30 days? What was that, that experience of just realizing there's a month and the world's changing so rapidly? Those of us who lived through those 30 days felt like it just zoomed by. What was it like to miss it? It's the 30 days I'm going to always miss because I missed talking to people like my family during this crisis, friends, people I love um, about the crisis that was happening and the world changed, literally. Not, you know, they always say every day the world changes, but this, this that I was out. I went into the hospital when Miami was fully functioning. And no one even thought Miami was gonna be hit. And also I'm in the hospital waking up and I, th I didn't know I was in Miami. I thought I was in Switzerland. I had terrible, 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 terrible uh, miseries in dreams. 
during these 30 days, terrible things that I actually thought it was real. I actually thought I was involved with rescue missions in Europe of tens of thousands of people that were hurt. And it was terrible. I was dreaming for, for the whole period of very, very sad things and all about saving lives. And I'd sell it. My whole life was involved with that. So it was automatically that. And when I wake up, they tell me I'm in Miami in a hospital. I couldn't even remember I went into the hospital. And then I, I thought, you know what? At least I'm going to have Pesach with my family. And I, and I tell my family, my, they called, you know, uh, my wife, uh, Giti, and we tried getting her. I couldn't reach her. And finally, I, they called someone else in Israel. And I said, where's Giti? It was 2 o'clock in the morning. He was shocked. Eli Pollock was shocked that I was alive. No one knew I'm going to wake up. The people, a lot of people gave, lost hope. 30 days in a coma, COVID-19, not many people. So I said, you know, I said, with Giti, he checks in the computer of Hatzala. She's a Hatzala volunteer. My kids are Hatzala volunteers. And they were delivering a baby two o'clock in the morning while I woke up. A woman was on the way to the hospital and the baby decided not to wait and just, they were there in time to catch the baby. And I came back to, I literally woke up straight into emergency calls. Not me, but others, my family. And um, waking up and losing, missing. And then I realized that Pesach, I thought Pesach is actually coming up in a few days. And I was devastated when I heard Pesach was over. Devastated. How could I miss Pesach? You miss Monday, Tuesday, regular days. Okay, miss Seder night. Afikoman, Maristana, of your 12-year-old daughter who sings it so beautifully. And it was very hard for me. And that's when I decided, you know what? Thank God I'm alive. Baruch Hashem, a miracle, I'm here. I'm going to make a Pesach Shani. And actually, with my family, a month later, just a few days ago, we had the most beautiful Pesach Seder in Tel Aviv. With uh, we had a pikomen negotiations for almost an hour about what presents I give, and literally my kids were very tough about me this year, and uh, um, and we had such a beautiful seder for five hours. It was unbelievable. Five hours, incredible! And for the first time, you got to have the whole thing on video. <laughs> it was great. And, and save the memories. Yeah. I've been joking that this is the first year people are taking the Shloshi Imei Hagbala, the days leading up to Shabbat, seriously. So you took Pesach Sheni seriously in a way that we haven't really since Bait Sheni. Yes, I actually, I didn't realize how important Pesach Sheni is. Such a great thing. Hashem thought about this thousands of years ago, and I used it the first time. I, every year I have a little piece of matzo, like we all do, but it, we don't take it seriously. We have that and uh, we hold the falafel on the other hand, you know? Um, this year, I really, you have no idea how excited I was to be sitting in the head of the table with my pillow, and we're doing Seder and it's on video, you know? It's great. Um, <laughs> It was just an amazing experience. Yeah. So 
I always wanted to know, I know that you were inspired um, into EMS, uh, in, into the world of uh, emergency medical response, rapid response from a tragic, um, a, a, I think it was, a, it was a bus bombing or it was a bus um, accident when you were 12. Um, but I'm, I just wanted, I'm just curious to know you, you are now the, the founder of the largest uh, volunteer corps in Israel, but it didn't exist before. How and why did you, did you start it? So first of all, just to get the facts a little, a little fixed. Um, I was six years old and the number six. 12 blew in my neighborhood. So oh. We got things right. But it was the worst bomb attack in that time. It was like the first attack on a bus. There used to be a bus coming from the old city of Yerushalayim, the East Yerushalayim. Um, Navarro's Gate, that's where it started, ended up in Baitvagan. That was the last stop. I lived in Baitvagan on a Friday afternoon. The bus blew up on the main street next to my father's bookshop. And that's how my life changed in terms of I wanted to save lives. I remember the people screaming for help. I remember how long it took ambulances to show up. And when I went to an ambulance when I was 15 years old, I learned how to do some CPR and everything. And then, or even today, they still, anyone who wants to volunteer in an ambulance, you can volunteer. When you're 15, 16, I went to volunteer. I did a basic course of 45, 45 hours. And, and I thought the next day I'm going to save lives. And I realized after a year and a half that it's almost impossible to save lives of people when you show up in an ambulance. Because if someone's not breathing, by the time you get to that person, they're brain damaged or dead. The time, I don't know how long you could stop breathing. Well, anyone who's watching this now could stop breathing. I can't stop breathing for more than a minute. Think about 10 minutes, 12 minutes. An ambulance would take 15, 20 minutes then. So I decided that I'm gonna use volunteers to respond to calls before ambulances. And I had a traumatic experience with a seven-year-old boy that we responded to who was choking while he was having lunch. It took us 21 minutes to arrive. And a doctor was a building of a, a few buildings away. And he didn't know that the ambulance was on the way to save this child a block away from him. And only after we arrived, he came to help because he saw an ambulance coming. And unfortunately, this kid was buried that same day. So I decided I'm going to take that tragedy and create a network of volunteers to respond to calls before. This Hatzel idea started actually in Williamsburg by Rabbi Herschel Weber years before me. I didn't really know exactly how it works in America. I just wanted to fill in the gap between the ambulance services in Israel that were very basic to to more, to more to rapid response. And I realized you could be the best doctor in the world, but if you show up too late, there was nothing else you could do besides pronouncing this person, you know, deceased. And that's how we started this organization, 15 volunteers. We used some Israeli chutzpah because the ambulance union did not, not want to show, share their information with us. So we had to buy some police scanners and tap into their emergency calls without them knowing. And then, and then they know they would show that's up at the scene. In Israel, with chutzpah, you know? The only way, um, that's the way things get done. And so they would show up to the scene and see you there. 
they would see us there. The drivers of the ambulances were happy because they had some more hands to help them. You know, um, we were schlepping patients for them, helping them do CPR. We saved people for them. They actually wanted to save lives, but they needed something else to fill in the gap. You know, and um, the fact was that we came there and we did the job so quickly, we were able to make a difference in safety every day. And that's how we started. And then we started creating these motorcycles, like pizza delivery motorcycles into ambulances and call them ambulance. We were the first organization in the world to actually create it. I'm sorry. National Ambulance Motorcycle can I have, Response. Can I have you repeat? I heard the first organization in the world to create and then you cut out. Oh, to create a national motorcycle rapid response for emergencies. They would use motorcycles to deliver pizza. You know, Israelis, after they finish the army, uh, Israeli young kids, they want to make some money to go to Africa or to South America or to Asia. They go work in a pizza shop, most a lot of them, and they deliver food to people's homes. But if you want to get a good tip in Israel, you have to give good service. You don't just automatically get it. So they would take these motorcycles, put the pizza in the back, drive on the sidewalks in between cars, hit a few people on the way and get there in three or four minutes and get a nice tip, right? I realized if these people are doing it for pizza, why can't we do it for saving lives? And we created that, you know, because we didn't get permission from anyone. We just, you know, we just did it. We took a motorcycle, we put a box, we put a siren, we put lights, we put everything. Hatsala, and we started responding to emergency calls. That's how we started. It was like a like an underground life-saving mischievousness. I I used to when I lived in in Yerushalayim, I used to bike around, bicycle, and I actually got in an accident. But the only thing I was ever scared of were the guys on the Tususim. <laughs> the closest you get to death. I know, but I'm scared too. But you know. I always say, by the way, you know, they have a famous, a famous uh, actor, uh, uh, entertainer, one of the one the most famous people, Jay Leno, was very involved with us. He loves United Nutella. And he always says, United Nutella is the first organization that actually made Jewish women love motorcycles. <laughs> I never liked motorcycles. I think they're very dangerous, but if you're using them, for saving lives. You know, what better use you could use? You know, when I have a baby not breathing and you, you show up in a 90 second response because of a motorcycle, we have a thousand of these motorcycles all around Israel. They are civilized uh, every minute. You, you built something from 15 volunteers to the number I saw was over 5,000. You've saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And, and you built this, were there, were there moments along the way where you said, like, it's not me, there's no way, it's too big. I, this is clearly uh, Yad Hashem. I, I, every day I say, I can't believe it. When I was out, I thought I'm gonna get up and nothing is gonna exist anymore. And I saw it, not only didn't, it, it didn't stop existing, it grew. And, and people were still supporting the organization while I was in a coma. And volunteers were running out the calls and they, create, they created a 
humanitarian rescue mission for people who can't, older people who could not leave their home. They needed food, they needed medicines, they needed anything, they called us for help. Thousands of people during the week would get emergency help for, for life-saving, which we treat almost 2,000 people. And not only that, we were helping people get basic things to their homes that otherwise they would not have, like food. A lady called us, she says she doesn't have food left in her house. She said, for three days, I'm like, I don't know what to do, I can't go out, I'm not allowed to go out, I'm, I'm old, I'm sick, I'm, I, I don't have a way of going out. We had volunteers with their This is basic things we're talking about. They couldn't do if your neighborhood was in quarantine, but you were allowed to go to buy food, you're not in a danger. These people cannot go, some of them were in desperate situations. Tell was doing this. So while I was away and I realized, thank God, Shem made Atzala such an incredible organization that now it's just working on its own. The only thing we need to do is just push it to grow, more people to support it, and it's, it's working. Baruch Hashem. Um, we're, we're watching here in America as uh, Israel's beginning to open up. Um, I, a few days ago, I, I attended a wedding in Israel from the safety of my uh, living room <laughs> because we're wondering um, what, what lies ahead for you, what you're worried about, nervous about, a second wave. What's the, what's the work for United Hatzalah in the coming months? Well, we are really worried about a second wave. We know that the, it happens. It happened in other countries. Um, even in China, some places, you know, um, but, but I think people are sick and tired of staying home and they need to go work and they need to actually have food at home. So it has to open. I went through a terrible crisis myself, my life, but I know that it's impossible to keep people for so long in their homes. Um, my kids, some of them start starting school next week. Um, I think the the, the world is going to have to come back a little towards a normal life. But on the other hand, people should not underestimate this terrible virus. It's terrible. And it could hit anyone. It hit me. It could hit anyone. Everyone was shocked when I got sick. Uh, I was a very strong person. I would travel. You got sick. You got for no, no, no. I was shocked when you got sick. You were shocked. <laughs> No, but I think people were literally saying, how did it happen to him? I was always involved saving lives. I was strong. I was always, and I was in Miami, you know, like where else could you, you know, and it happens. And, and that's why I think it's so important to keep the rules. I'm saying this from my heart, bottom of the heart. I don't want anyone to be sick. It's the worst thing. Um, some people don't know how it's going to end up. And a lot of them, unfortunately, every day people pass away. Some people... Um, as well, even children get sick. Just be very, very careful about, go back to work, of course. People have to go back to normal life. But whatever is not necessary, don't do. And whatever is the rules about, keep the rules. Don't, don't think people are just making rules because they're, they just have nothing else to do. If you're not allowed to get close to someone two meters, six feet, don't get close to people. Don't touch people. You, you know, don't look for reasons why you could get sick. And, and I think that way we could stop this next wave.
by people taking it very serious. And I know a lot of young people watch your show. And I think young kids think that it's so simple and they're, gonna, they're not gonna have any problem. You're right, they might survive like a 18 year old boy or girl most likely will not die. Most likely, not, you know, they don't get as sick as someone, an old cocker like me, 46 years old, right? But you know what happens? They get sick, they don't even know they got sick, and then they get their parents sick. And their grandparents, and their uncle, and their neighbor, they don't realize a lot of people get sick, they don't even know they're sick. So don't think that the fact that you're young, you're not, you can go to a bar and sit down next to someone and drink a beer. No, this, you need to keep your distance. Don't go to shul if you're not allowed to go to shul. If you go to shul, you have to do by the rules. You know, they, in Israel, they allow like public places to daven, but in distance, people sit on the porches and they watch the chazan on the bottom or, or any other thing, weddings and stuff. Well, I, I most probably can't get sick again. I try my best. Sometimes it's hard for me to breathe because I still have a hard time breathing. But I'm telling you, the most important thing is to wear masks. And don't touch people. And if, even if you could wear gloves, it's great. Um, we, have, we have a pack. Um, Ellie Beard, do you have a, a final message that you want to share with uh, the Jews of Chul watching this, this program? I actually do. I actually think one of the good things that happened during this terrible crisis is the caring about each other. And I think this is something that I didn't see many times that so many people were caring about each other. And unfortunately now it's quieting down, it's coming back to normal, hating each other, unfortunately. I think United is a good example of having people connect and love each other. People, we have all sectors. We have Jews, Muslims, Christians, uh, Haredi Jews, less Haredi Jews, less, less Haredi Jews and people who are not believers, we all have a mission. And I think this shows us, this pandemic shows us how fragile this world is and how things can change in a minute. We should respect more each other. And I went to the hotel this week to say Havonel. And I also prayed for a lot of people. We had over a thousand people, names of people. So we Tehillim with the chief rabbi, Rabbi Lau, and we were doing Tehillim there and Rabbi David Lau was amazing. And I, the night I went to the Kotel was Lag Bomer. And Lag Bomer, Rav Shimon Barachai, was the last victim of the plague they had, of the pandemic they had with the 24,000 Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva. And the re reason all these Talmudim died is because they didn't respect each other. And I went to the Kotel when Rav Shimon Barachai passed away because he was the last one stop the plague. He was such a big tzaddik. And after he passed away, this was a big tragedy for Am Yisrael. That wasn't stop the whole thing. And I think we should all take upon ourselves to do something good for other people you don't even know. And people that need help, go help them. Do more tzedakah, more chesed, and I think that's going to save us from a next plague, next pandemic. That's the only way we can be saved. And I think I was saved thanks to the great care in the hospital and everything else, but also thanks to the chesed and davening people did for me. So I want to thank anyone, including you, that davened for me to be well. And I'm davening for Am Yisrael and the whole world to be well. And support 
great organizations like United Atzala. We have a website, israelrescue.org. You can learn more about it and, and support great organizations. Israelrescue.org uh, for people who want to contribute and get involved um, and be part of the life-saving work that you're doing right there on the ground in Eretz Israel. Ellie Beer, thank you so much for, for giving us some of your time. Thank you for having me. And uh, you should continue the great work you guys are doing. Shukalach. Talk to you soon. That was Ellie Beer on OU Live. What a special guy. What a special story. We shall be so lucky to be Zoha, to see the perot of our labor, to see the fruit of our labor uh, in this world see the uh, fruition of all the efforts that we put into things. Our heartwarming social media bit of the day. This little video comes to you uh, via Twitter. A father in New York City whose kid must be bugging out like uh, all of our kids are bugging out. <laughs> Wanted to make things a little bit more exciting and takes his kid along to take out the trash every single day, wearing a different costume. Check this out. That's one way to win Father of the Year. <laughs> um, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. If you're not, you can subscribe um, on podcasts or wherever you are, however you are listening to this right now. I hope you'll stick around. Next Thursday, we are interviewing Rachel and Rabbi Daniel Kraus of the Upper East Side Power Chidduch couple. A lot to share. We look forward to seeing you there. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane. I'll see you later.